Welcome inside the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hahn of Longhorns Wire. My co-host, Cammie, will be joining me momentarily. First, I want to remind everyone you can follow us on our social media accounts. For the, for the uh, podcast, it's Locked On Longhorns, L-O underscore Longhorns. You can follow me at Pat Sports Guy and follow Cammie at Cammie Angie. Also, please give us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps other Longhorn fans find our podcast so they can join in on the conversation. But without further ado, let's get started. It is Big 12 Tournament Day. But first, Cammie, you wanted to discuss a little bit of football that's going on on the 48. Of course. How can we not? So this actually is involving um, some coaches. So Texas actually hired former Oklahoma State quarterback J.W. Walsh as an offensive analyst. He actually played quarterback for the Cowboys from 2012 to 2016. And his final three seasons were spent under current offensive coordinator Mike Yersich while he was at Oklahoma State. So that's interesting. But I wanted to ask you what exactly is the job description for an offensive analyst? I know probably many fans uh, might not be too familiar with exactly what they do around there. Yeah, so the offensive analyst role is very similar to what a grad assistant does in that the only difference is an, an analyst does not have to be enrolled in school. So it's essentially, if you look at professional f- football leagues, for example, it's it's sort of their um, advanced scouting. So they're doing any film review for the upcoming matchup. So let's just say, for instance, they're going to be playing Oklahoma. Uh, so they would have Walsh go ahead and watch film on Oklahoma to figure out how to attack that defense or or to see how their defense is playing certain looks and, and they make changes that way. So that that's exactly what an analyst is. And this is like a uh, thing that started really under – in Alabama, started under Nick Saban is where this whole analyst – you know, support staff is really what they call it. And so it's becoming more of a thing now in, in college football. And, you know, Walsh, he was a graduate assistant at TCU after his playing days were over at Oklahoma State. He spent the last three years as a running backs coach at Abilene Christian. So he does have some experience with coaching, playing, and now he's going to help Mike Yursich with all of his advanced analytics and advanced Film watching, scouting. The only thing is with a a uh, analyst, kind of like Andre Coleman was last year, they can't have any coach. They can't coach the players. That's the only difference between them and, and the assistant coaches that are actually on the field. Interesting. Well, while we're on the topic of football, let's switch over to the XFL because former Texas defensive end Cedric Reed actually had a strip sack to secure a win a few days ago. He's currently a member of the Los Angeles Wildcats, and he actually stripped – they're actually playing the Tampa Bay Vipers, and he stripped quarterback Taylor Cornelius in the fourth quarter of Sunday's game. And his defense returned it for a touchdown. I know there's a video going around. We've put it on Longhorn's wire. Um, what do you think about that specific play and how he's doing in the XFL so far? Yeah, it was obviously it's a big play because of what it meant for his team. It was his first for, forced fumble this season. It gave them a two-score lead late in that game. Tampa Bay ended up scoring another touchdown. So, Ultimately, it led to the win. It was the game-winning score. 
you know, he's he's done well. I mean, I'm not going to say he's blowing the doors off of him, but he's played well in five games. He has three sacks, 13 combined tackles. He's been a menace with five quarterback hits. So he's getting to the quarterback, which he's doing his job. It's just their their team is two and three right now because their offense can't keep up. You know, they lost they've lost a season to Houston, to Dallas, and New York. So the teams that were expected to do well, they're they're not beating, but they were able to get a win over DC, huge win over DC, 39 to 9. And then they beat Tampa Bay. 41 to 34, but I think Cedric Reed's doing a good job. You know, it's nice to see him back on the football field. We got to watch him. He was a joy here in Austin. You know, he made his go of it in the NFL, didn't work out, and now he's getting another opportunity, and this might actually get him another opportunity in the NFL following this, the end of the season with the XFL. That would be fun to watch. I hope that works out for him. I'm still a little shocked about what happened to Gerard Hurd in the XFL. Yeah, he really wasn't able to get on the field outside of the punt returns, and they were very few and far between. They made some moves. So, unfortunately, as we've seen time and time again, it's the nature of the business. He gets waived, and uh, he's currently a free agent at this point. I haven't heard any movement on him. But coming up next, we're going to talk a little basketball with the Big 12 tournament coming up. We got Ari Temkin from the Big 12 radio show on Sirius XM Radio coming up next. Now, welcome back to the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Now joining us on the show is Ari Temkin from the Big 12 show right on Sirius XM radio. He also does the pre- and post-game show for 105.3, the fan of Dallas and the Dallas Cowboys. Ari, welcome to the show, buddy. I also host a kick-ass Cowboys podcast with Patrick Hahn called Cowboys Beat. Uh, there's that as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, What's going on? What's going on? Well, we're trying to get ready for this um, Big 12 tournament that's going to start tonight. Um, so, Cami, what are some of the big questions that you have as far as the Big 12 tournament? Yes, I have a couple questions. So, Patrick and I recently have discussed the Oklahoma State loss and its impact on the NCAA tournament a bit in previous episodes. And it's obviously going to be a steep hill for Texas to climb in terms of winning the Big 12 tournament and getting an automatic bid just because Kansas and Baylor are just on different tiers than the rest of the Big 12 right now. Not only that, but they have to face a tough Texas Tech team in the first round. And Patrick has actually mentioned previously that Texas needs to show up and either beat Tech or play them very very closely in order to sneak into the tournament. But Kansas coach Bill Self recently said that he predicts that six teams from the Big 12 will make the tournament. Um, Included in those six are Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas, and Texas Tech. So we have two questions for you here, actually. What do you think Texas needs to do to sneak into the tournament if you disagree with Coach Self here? And also whether or not you believe Shaka Smart's job is up in the air at this point. Yeah, no. So, I mean, there's a lot there, Cammy. I guess I'll start with, no, I don't believe Bill Self, and I usually believe everything that he says because I'm a Kansas grad and a huge Jayhawk fan. But, no, I mean, he's he's just cheerleading for the conference here. Um, I, I I think there's a potential path for six, and I definitely think it, it, it includes Texas beating Texas Tech. Now, there's been a lot of people that have said this game is essentially a play-in game for both of these programs. I think it matters more to Texas than it does to Tech, but I can certainly see both sides of it. I don't think there's any way that Texas gets into the tournament 
without beating Texas Tech. I do think, again, there's a chance that Tech can get in without winning this game. But, I mean, Texas was clearly on a path to, you know, to getting into the tournament and not needing in order to win games in this Big 12 tournament. And now with the lost Oklahoma State, a game that they don't even – they're not even competitive in. I mean, they were just down big early, as you guys know, and just were never able to claw out of it. Um, I think that, that loss to close out the regular season – means that they're going to have to win at least one game in the Big 12 uh, tournament in order to, to get a bid. And if they don't, um, yeah, I, I do think it's the margins are that slim. I do think that if they don't get a bid at the NCAA tournament, I do think that Chaka Smart will be out. Um, obviously, you know, look, he's, he's had a tenuous tenure so far at Texas. And, you know, I, I just – Crystal Coffey has supported him and shown ample support, but – you just can't you can't have the lack of consistency for this program. You can't miss the tournament as often as he has. I mean, Rick Barnes missed the tournament at once in in all his time at Texas. So with Jaka Smart, you know, consecutively missing tournaments, I think that would definitely spell doom for him. And and I think, you know, I think that that Texas would have some good you know candidates to potentially look at um if they do go in a different route but i do think they need to be tech and i, and I do think if they don't that they're not in and, and that shocker will be out of the job right that's interesting so if texas were to fall to texas tech here would you have five teams going in with texas just on on the bad end of it yeah exactly and and i think there's a pretty good shot that there's only going to be five teams anyways and that regardless you know whoever wins this game will be the fifth team interesting yeah so with Shaka Smart, and, and I know you said you know they could be out on the outs. I know Jeff Goodman from Stadium recently tweeted out about uh, ETSU's Steve Forbes being on shortlist. Do you think that'd be somebody that Texas would go after? Or are they going to look for a high-profile name? Well, Steve Forbes is a really good coach. It's funny, you know he 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 has really picked up some steam in terms of a mid-major coach getting a lot of talk. Um, on the national landscape, East Tennessee State. I mean, they they won the SoCon last night over Wofford, and they won 30 games this year by doing it. They were actually looking at a potential um, at large bid had they not won, but they just ran through the SoCon um, tournament. And they, I mean, look, they they had like a nine point loss in Lawrence against Kansas earlier this year. Like it's a good basketball team, and a good basketball program. He's made the tournament two out of the last three years. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think. He'd be a name I'd consider, but it's it certainly, you know, I, I don't know that I'd go much further than John Beeline, to be quite honest. Um, Beeline's a guy that's had just a tremendous amount of success at the NCAA level and obviously flamed out in, in Cleveland, but he seems like just what the doctor ordered for a Texas program that's had a lot of athletic departments, uh, had, had a lot within its athletic department kind of had, had these curious cases of what people believe or or have intimated could be something along the lines of, you know, in being entitled. And that's, you know, probably something that predates CDC a lot in Austin. And, you know, look, I was, I was in Austin for two years, two and a half years at the uh, end of the Mac Brown era. And that was when it really started to creep up with the, the idea of Texas athletes being entitled and, you know, feeling like they had accomplished something when they hadn't really done much. And, you know, look, that was there with Steve Patterson, certainly. And when Crystal Conti took over, I think, you know, he's done a really good job in, in, in figuring out ways to, to move the needle from the athletic department standpoint so that there wasn't this idea of 
an entitled athletic department. You know, I think they reduced staff from the athletic department to, to kind of make sure that they're straight lines for, for um, a lot of the kids um, in terms of, you know, because there was just so much support staff there. It was sort of confusing, I'd imagine, for a lot of these guys to know who to go to and who to talk to. And you know, there's just been a lot of changes fundamentally that I think can foster a different environment in Austin. And, you know, I, I don't know that it's a coaching problem as much as it was an organizational problem for a long time. And a beeline is like the antithesis of that. I and mean, that's basically what got him, um, you know, out at Cleveland. He was, he was too much into the, you know, the nuance of, you know, drills and, and, and building uh, a program the right way and all those kinds of things that are definitely a part of the college, the fabric of college sports, but probably not as much a part of the fabric of professional sports. So, I mean, the the Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State be certainly a guy to talk to, but if I'm Crystal Conti, I'm definitely hiring uh, John Beeline. Yeah, do you think possibly because of you know the fact that Shaka Smart was a small school guy coming from BCU, do you think maybe they want to go more the traditional route with the the bigger name with a bigger program uh, such as Michigan with uh, Beeline? Well, I don't know if it's so much about Shaka as much as it is about Austin and needing somebody with a big name to reinvigorate this program. I mean, they're obviously going to be opening up that new basketball stadium next year. And so they're trying to build excitement for a program that's kind of lacked it. They haven't had great attendance. And look, I think even though obviously everybody thinks about Texas football, I mean, there is, there is support for Texas basketball when they win and, you know, you'll see it. And so I think that, yeah, you bring in a guy like John Beeline who has a tremendous amount of success. Now you're building the stadium and you're going to get a guy that's going to build this program from the ground up. Yeah, I absolutely think, you know, it's more about the flash than it is about, well, Shaco is a small school guy and that's why we don't want to go back to the mid-major. Yeah, I got you. All right, one last question before we let you go. So BetMGM came out with the odds for the Big 12 tournament as far as who's going to win. Obviously, Kansas and Baylor are going to be right there at the top. But taking those two away, who would you put your money on as far as the other teams in the field? Uh, the odds here are West Virginia plus 400, Tech is plus 800, Sooners plus 1,300, Longhorns plus 2,000, and then TCU is plus 4,500. Not going to go into the others because they're over 10,000. But if you had to pick one of those six teams there in the middle, who would you put your money on? Well, and quite frankly, I'm not really sure I'd bet on Kansas or Baylor for the Big 12 tournament because – I, you know, I don't know how Kansas or Baylor will approach this. I mean, Kansas is the number one overall seed for the NCAA tournament, even if they go one and done. So they don't have anything to play for. And, you know, they already have a decent amount of wear and tear on their, their main pieces, Yudoka Zabuki and and Marcus Garrett and Devon Dawson. So, you know, I certainly think, you know, Bill Self will play this probably a little bit closer to the vest in terms of, you know, not kind of like a, a team, heading into the, you know, that's already clinched in the NFC, the number one overall seed, and they're going into the final, you know, couple of games of the season or the game of the season where it's like you don't have anything to play for. So, you know, rest your guys, make sure you don't suffer any more injuries or any more wear and tear on your guys. I think the same is true for Baylor. You know, they, they're maybe a little bit shakier in terms of being a one seed, but I still think they're they're on a, the one line. And, you know, depending on what happens to the other um, conferences, that they're, they're probably pretty firm in that one line. And they also have injuries they're dealing with, you know, Matthew – Mayer kid from uh, Matthew Meyer kid from Austin who um, has really emerged um, um, for Baylor suffered a hip injury in the last game and you know Mark Vital and and 
Um, Devontae Bandu, and I mean, Baylor's just had a, a string of injuries of late that's probably a product of the effort that they play with on both ends of the floor. So, you know, I, I Oklahoma State's interesting to me because they played really well of late. They only won seven of their last 10 games. You know, they, they were a preseason pick to be a pretty a tournament team in the Big 12, and they crashed when Isaac Likely went out down with Mono, and they just were, were nothing without him. But when he came back, they really reemerged as a you know offensive team. So, you know, they, they'd have to play Kansas if they beat Iowa State, which would be a tough test, and they struggled against Kansas this year. But, again, if Kansas is not really playing to win and resting key guys, then Oklahoma State has a path there. Um, you know, beyond – Oklahoma State is being a major surprise team. I mean, you could basically take anybody else in terms of whoever wins that Texas Texas Tech game could win this tournament and get that automatic bid. Also, West Virginia. You know, West Virginia really knows, took a nosedive towards the end of the year, but they they regrouped and they overcame a big deficit to Iowa State to win and then had a really big win at home against Baylor to close out the year. So that's a team that plays a physical brand of basketball and and. I could see them. They had success last year, even despite being horrible in the Big 12 last year in the Big 12 tournament. So I could, I could certainly see West Virginia or the winner of the Texas Texas Tech game. But if you want like a, a really far out team that could potentially win, it, Oklahoma State's my pick. That's a that's a good pick. Uh, you know their their odds are plus you know twelve thousand five hundred. So uh, don't worry, I won't tell your wife that you're betting on this game though, because I'm gonna get you in trouble. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, Ari, we appreciate you hopping on the show. Make sure you follow Ari at Ari Sports. Check out his YouTube page. Check out his work on the Cowboys Beat podcast. And listen Monday through Friday on the Big 12 radio show on Sirius XM Radio. Ari, thanks for hopping on. All right, welcome back inside the Locked on Longhorns podcast. In our last segment, we met, we talked with Ari about the Big 12 tournament coming up and what it means for Texas and Shaka Smart. But, Tammy, you didn't really agree with his comment about what Bill Self said and what this tournament actually means to Texas, right? I kind of agreed with what Bill Self said. Like I said, I don't know if they necessarily have to beat Texas Tech here. Like, obviously, you and Ari uh, both believe. I just think they kind of need to show up and obviously not get blown out by 20 points. But um, I thought Ari was very knowledgeable. I do agree with him in terms of the Shaka Smart um I guess how confident he is in returning next season. Um, if they don't make the tournament, for example, I don't think he deserves uh, to still be in Austin next season. Um, I'm very, I mean, I guess I'm leaning towards now that they have to beat Texas Tech, which I wasn't at first. I agreed with self, but the way he made it seem was that he was kind of just cheerleading for the Big 12 conference with, um, I mean, which is obviously a good idea. And I hope that happens, but I could definitely see a realistic, um, kind of see it play out with just five teams advancing. But hopefully Texas Texas can just get through this Texas Tech win and then um, hopefully the selection committee will include them. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough matchup, but like you said, I still firmly believe because of that loss to Oklahoma State that they do have to win. That That's where I'm sitting right now, but, you know, Ari is knowledgeable at the Big 12 and what's going on there at the tournament, so, I mean, if he's saying it, I tend to believe it. It just means it's going to have that much more um, hype surrounding that game versus Texas Tech now. So um, hopefully it doesn't have as um, nail-biting as an ending as Oklahoma game, but if it turns out that way and we're on the winning side, I'll be fine. Absolutely agree with you there.
So real quick, I want to jump in here and talk about, since we're on the topic of basketball, so the Big 12 is coming out with their honors for the end of the season for both the men and women. Uh, Matt Coleman was the lone player named to the all Big 12 team as far as he was the third team. He finished the season with 12.6 points per game. That's 14th in the Big 12. Jericho Sims, Courtney Ramey, and Andrew Jones were all named to the honorable mention team. Andrew finished with 11.6 points per game, which was 18th in the league. Courtney Ramey with 11.1 points per game. That's 19th. And Jericho Sims finished with 8.2 rebounds per game, which was good for 7th in the Big 12. Switching over to the women's side, the women had the lone first-team All-Big 12 player between both conf- between the men and the women's. Uh, sophomore Charlie Collier, uh, she recorded 13.13 points per game for 17th in the Big 12 and also added 10.5 rebounds. So she averaged a double-double each, each night. Her 10.5 rebounds per game is good enough for fifth in the Big 12. Second team All-Big 12, Shug Sutton, 4.2 assists per game was fifth. Her 1.7 steals per game is good enough for eighth. And then you have the All-Big 12 honorable mention, Senior Joiner Holmes at 13.1 points per game and also added 7.7 rebounds per game. Her rebound total was seventh, while her points per game was just right behind uh, Collier at 18th in the league. And then they also had the all-Big 12 freshman team where they named Celeste Taylor. Celeste Taylor didn't fall in any categories inside the top 20 in, in any of those, but she was just a menace on the court. She was the hustle queen, as I like to call her, all over the court. But that is the Big 12 honors. Right, well, the men's basketball team will be back on the court on Thursday, take on Texas Tech. Meanwhile, the women will be back on the court Friday in the Big 12 tournament. They will play the number six seeded West Virginia Mountaineers. Now, Cami, we have some other sports going on tonight with Texas back on the mound against Abilene Christian at the dish. We do. They're hosting Abilene Christian at 6.30 p.m. tonight. And then uh, pretty quickly after that, they're going to turn around and host that series against New Mexico on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's a busy weekend for our Texas baseball team. Yes, it is. And tonight, uh, Colby Kubitschek, I believe that's how you say his name, he is the probable starter with a 1-1 record, 4.76 ERA. He'll be going up against freshman pitcher Johnny Krowitz, I think is how you say it. He has a 0-0 record with 3.12 ERA. Now, this is the first matchup uh, for these two programs. So they've never played each other. Uh, actually, Abilene Christian is playing only in their seventh season of Division One baseball and only their third season where they actually have eligibility for postseason play. So much like Boise State, relatively young team, it, it's a good measuring stick for them. But that's going on tonight at the dish. Like you said, 6.30, and you can also tune in to the game on Longhorn Network or your Watch ESPN app. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Tomorrow, we are going to be joined by Carson Robinson of 13.40 a.m. in Lubbock. He's going to help preview the Texas Tech game. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL Draft. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Welcome. Your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.